It is great to see all of you here this morning, and we hope you'll go home and eat a lot and come back at 5.30 for a very different and wonderful service tonight. I appreciate what Clayton had to say about germs. I have some Baptist version of holy water down here, the hand sanitizer. And I asked Cindy, I said, do you want some? She said, nope, I'm already sick. So if you got some germs you want to pass around, come shake my wife's hand and hug her because she's accepting them fully this morning. Several years ago, I, I had the hand sanitizer down there, and I, after I sh- shook hands, I was, during the song service, I was cleaning my hands, and a lady came by after church and said, what were you doing? I said, I was washing church members off my hands. I laughed, she didn't, and I think she left and went to another church. I've never seen that woman again, ever, but I'm so glad I'm seeing you here this morning. What do you call Santa's helpers? No, subordinate clauses. <laughs> An obnoxious reindeer is who? Rude off. Thank you, Greg. Brandon, Brandon saw Frosty the Snowman this week. He's thinking about getting a divorce. It's terrible. Brandon does not confide stuff with me, but he did about this. He said, Frosty said his wife's a flake. What is Christmas about? Poor jokes from the pastor has become kind of a tradition. You know what? We, we've been looking the last weeks, so and we're going to conclude this evening with the, Christmas is about a lot of things. Obviously, fundamentally, it's about Jesus, but it's about a lot of things tied into Jesus. And we're going to talk about giving this morning. Now, don't panic. We're not talking about you having to give more to the church or anything like that. But Christmas is about giving, isn't it? I, I heard this. I'm not going to try to sing it. I should have made Wayne. But it was from the Christmas jingle. It's beginning to cost a lot like Christmas. And I think we uh, agree with that. Listen to this. In 2016, 2016, in America alone, Christmas sales exceeded $1 trillion. $1 trillion. Jeremy, don't you wish your Chick-fil-A would exceed that next year? I do too because he ties and it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> Talking about giving. One trillion dollars. We're in Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 2. If you're a guest today, we, our philosophy here at First Baptist, we're going to deal with the hardest things and we're going to have fun because we have adopted a new theme. Heaven is fun and hell is not, and we're about heaven. Amen? Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Leave that verse there for a second. There's several interesting things there. It says Bethlehem of Judea. Now, in Jesus' day, Israel was divided in three sections. You had Galilee, where Nazareth was, where Jesus was going to be raised, in the northern section. You had Samaria in between And then you had Judea in the south. There was a Bethlehem in Galilee. That's why they're differentiating it there and saying Bethlehem of Judea. And that's very important because that's where David was born. That's the city of David. It says, when Herod was the king. This is Herod the Great, and he was great in many ways. He, he was a great architect, a great leader. He helped build up Jerusalem. He helped the Jewish people build the temple. He did a lot of great things, but he was also Herod the Evil. He'd been married nine times. He killed three of his wives, a mother-in-law. He killed three of his sons when they became of age and were a threat to his throne. This is the context of the Christmas story. These guys, and it says wise men. We don't know anything about these guys hardly. Uh, we, we will see more in a moment what we speculate about them. But they were intelligent, scholar, religious people. And look in verse 
2 through 6 with me. It says, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he acquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They knew right away in verse 5. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. These Old Testament scholars were quoting Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They knew right where Jesus was going to be born. And as we run through the story, we go through verse 7 through 11. Herod summoned the wise man secretly, and he wanted to know when did the star appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose from them and from the rest over the place where the child was. In verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They went into the house. They saw baby Jesus, the young Jesus with Mary, and they fell down and worshiped Jesus, and they opened up their treasures, and they gave him gifts. Christmas is about giving. I want to share with you a couple of thoughts. Here's the first thing. Christmas is about giving to others. It, it really is about giving to others. Years ago, in my second church, a man, I was, I guess, 26 or 27 at the time, and, and a, a man in my church who was my age, we were both dirt poor, and he had three kids and I didn't. So he was concerned about Christmas and someone had told him giving gifts is not spiritual. If you love Jesus, you don't give gifts. You know, you don't even need to put up a tree. You just, you just love Jesus. And, and he was really concerned about that because his kids didn't feel that way. And he asked me, Chris, is it okay to give gifts? And I said, absolutely. In fact, I think giving gifts is a way you show love. You shouldn't be silly. You shouldn't go in debt for the, the rest of the year with your Christmas expenses. But yes, I'm freeing you up to tell you you should give gifts as you can. That's a way we show love. Now, there was a couple arrested in Nebraska this week. It's a true story. This was on Friday. They, were, they left California. They were going to Massachusetts to be with family, and they were going to bring them Christmas gifts, and the police pulled them over, and they had 80 pounds of marijuana in their truck. And they admitted it when the police said, yep, we do, and they were uh, arrested. The interesting thing was is that uh, this man, Patrick, was 83, and his wife, Barbara, is 80. Grandma and Grandpa, are you listening to me? This is a no-no. When Patrick, in jail, confessed about the marijuana, he said, oh, we're just taking it for Christmas presents to our family. Merry Christmas and a happy and high new year. Amen. <laughs> Don't give marijuana. That's not on the gift list, okay? I don't care if you're in Colorado. Don't. In verse 11, verse 11, can you imagine your grandfather? I'm in prison. I'm in jail. I was bringing you marijuana. Oh, Grandpa, now we lost our marijuana. Anyway. And going to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down to worship him. They opened their treasures. That was their, their sacks, their boxes, where they kept the special stuff. 
And they gave him gold. We're going to see some spiritual significance in these things in a moment. But there's very practical, very practical reasons that these gifts were given. Hey, you know why you gave gold to somebody? One reason, it was money. It was, it, it's like getting a credit card or, or somebody giving you cash. Gold was just what it, you think it was. It was gold. And it says they gave them frankincense. Now, again, there's, there's more significance to this in a moment. But a very, this is a perfume. This is a scent. This would be something that your wife would love. She would love. And they gave myrrh. How many of you tomorrow, if you open up a gift, hey, it's myrrh again. Thanks. I really didn't need any myrrh this year. Myrrh, myrrh had a significance, but it was also a body ointment, a lotion, something you would, would rub on you. In other words, two out of these three things, the, the women would have loved, Mary loved, and you go to bath and body and get them, right? But here's what's, here's what's fixing to happen. We can't go into all of it today. King Herod's going to try to kill Jesus and his family. They have to escape in the middle of the night. Now, they live 80, 100 miles north of here. So they're, in, they're, they're visitors in this place, Bethlehem, anyway. They're going to have to escape to Egypt. There's Jewish colonies and people in Egypt, but they're going to have to escape to Egypt and live there for a year or two. So you have a very young man, a very young woman, and a very, very young baby you don't have a job. You don't have a place to stay. Do you see the practical nature of these gifts and how they helped them and benefited them? I want to challenge you, not just Christmas, but certainly tomorrow. And by the way, you can buy a gift on Wednesday and give to somebody, and I bet they'll still appreciate it. Be generous in your giving as you can. Don't be dumb, but be generous as you give to people. One thing you do with, is sometimes you just flat out help people. You, you see, if we're not careful, some of us are so spoiled, we don't understand that a sack of groceries blesses somebody. We don't understand that giving somebody $20 blesses somebody. We look and we go, is this all I got? Well, if I get myrrh, I may be disappointed. I'm going to be honest with you. Cindy, thank you for the myrrh. I don't know what I'll do with it, but... But we forget, man, there are people in need. In Edinburgh, Texas, about two weeks ago, the teacher had the, her first grade class write down what they wanted Santa Claus to bring them for Christmas. And there was all kinds of things on the list. But one, one thing she got back from a little girl broke her heart. A little girl named Crystal. She said, I'd like three things for Christmas. I'd like a ball if I could have one. But I need food. And I need a blanket because our house is cold. And when the teacher turned this in to people, over 600 blankets showed up at that school very quickly. You know, how many of us forget sometimes a gift that you can give somebody, it, it may meet a real practical need in their life. But it may be a way that it shows them that you love and that you care about them. A waitress who also doubled as a school teacher during the day uh, in Chicago last summer working one of her uh, men who came in there a time or two, they didn't know each other, but he found out that she's working two jobs, trying to make ends meet. She's teaching school all day, then going to the restaurant at 4, working till 10 at night. He left her a 1,000% tip, 1,000% tip. And at first when she saw it, she said, I can't take it. And he said, no, you're, I, I want you to take it. I want to bless you. Here's what she said. She said, it changed me, his generosity. Man, I want to challenge you. Don't be dumb. Don't go into six months of debt. But be generous in how you give to other people. It blesses them. 
I read an article this week called The Paradox Generosity, Generosity Paradox, how that when we give, it seems to boomerang back on us, and when we give, it seems to bless us. Hey, you know, the Bible's been saying that for thousands of years. I want to challenge you to be generous in how you give to other people. Can all the young people and the kids and the teenagers say a loud amen? This is a sermon I wish my parents would have heard 50 years ago, I promise you. Here's the second thing this morning. Not only should we be generous in our giving, but Christmas is about God giving to us. Did you know that? I hope you did. Come back tonight, we're even going to talk about that a little bit more. But in verse 2 through 4, there's some subtleties. Where's the one who has been born, who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Herod... King Herod heard this. He was troubled. He didn't want a, a rival king and all Jerusalem with him. And he assembled the chief priests and the scribes and he inquired, what time, where is the Christ going to be born? Significance here. Christ meant the, the, the chosen one of God, the anointed one of God. It's the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. It called Jesus Christ the king. We've looked at this two or three times in previous weeks. Hey, when Jesus Christ was born, it, this was God coming in the flesh for us. What is Christmas about? It's about several things. But one thing it is, it's about God giving himself to us in Jesus Christ. We, uh, we unwrap a gift from God and it's Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's a gift not only in of, of itself, but what it brings with it's tremendous. It brings us the gift of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Great verses, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it is the what? The gift of God. Not a result of works, you didn't earn this so that no one may boast. Listen, Jesus is God's gift to us. Salvation is God's gift to us. We've got to reach out and take it through faith, but it's God's gift to us. Now, sometimes people who are old church people, and they hear salvation, they go, oh, he's just talking about hellfire, get saved, come to Jesus. Well, by the way, that's pretty good stuff. You know, you know, going to heaven versus hell, pretty good stuff. Amen? So, so Jesus comes. That's God's gift to us. Jesus comes and he says, follow me. Here's what you get with that. You get heaven versus hell. Pretty good. You get eternal life. But listen, it doesn't just end there. Jesus didn't come just to give us eternal life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. I've not only come to save you from hell, I've come to save you from a wasted and ruined life here. I've come to give you forgiveness. I've come to give you joy. I've come to give you restoration. I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you hope. I don't know what's under your Christmas tree, but it's not better than that. You know, you heard, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. I guess that's the flu, the stomach bug, whatever. <laughs> it's also Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, 10,000 years from now, we're going to be in heaven. And I hope everyone in this room is with me. I'm, pl- I'm planning on being there, by the way. And we're going to realize we only got the rest of eternity to celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ. See, Christmas is about God saying to you, I got something for you got to take it, but I have a gift for you. Christmas is about us giving to others. It's about God giving to us. And and thirdly, this morning, Christmas is about us giving to God. It really is. It's about us giving to God. I want to touch on three parts of this very quickly, so don't panic when you hear three parts. I know what you do. (gasps) Three is always better than ten parts, right? How do we give to God? Here's the first thing. We give God our money. 
We give God our money. In verse 11, going to the house, they saw the child with Mary. They fell down, they worshiped Jesus, and they opened their treasures, and they offered him gifts. Now, obviously, those are gifts his parents took, but they were offered to him. Folks, these wise men, we're going to see in a moment, they understood they were in the presence of God when they walked into that house. And when they walked into that house, they brought gifts to God, to the king. They said, where is the one that's been born king? Seneca was a Roman orator in Jesus' era. And he said, you never approach a king without a gift. Isn't it interesting these wise men brought the king of kings some gifts? How do you give your money to Jesus? Now, I'm going to just pause and say, if you're not a Christian, you can tune this out. You don't have to, we're not after your money at all. We're after you. But if you're a Christian, you know what? I ought to give 10% of my money to God. I ought to do it right now. Christmas uh, Eve ought to do it. I ought to do it throughout the year. We have a Lottie Moon offering, which goes to foreign missions. That is a tremendous cause that helps support mission causes all over the world. I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian... You're not a Christian. We don't want your money. We want you. If you're a Christian, you ought to give to that Lottie Moon above and beyond your tithe as you can. Neuroscientists are telling us all all kinds of wonderful things about the brain and what goes on and how we behave, how we think, how it affects our moods and our emotions. I read this article this week, some neuroscientists studying generosity. And what they said is people who are givers, who are generous, they can measure in their brains how it makes them feel better. You know why some of you are grouchy? You're sitting on your billfold. Give to your kids, give to your wife, give to your husband, give to others. Give to God if you're a Christian. Listen, one way I show God I love him is with my billfold. It is. I give to God for my money. Here's the second thing. I give God my time. I give him my priority. Interesting little tidbit in here. In verse 1, it says these wise men came. I'll kind of paraphrase you and put it up. They came from the east. They came to Jerusalem. Looking for the newborn king. We don't know where they came from. Some say it was Bithynia. Some say it was Persia. Look in verse 11, though. There's some subtleties here that are easy to miss. It says, going into the house, they saw the child. How many of you have a manger scene at home? Okay. How many of you have seen a Christmas play? Raise your hand. Everybody in here has. Okay, at the Christmas play at church, the shepherds come to the manger, the wise men, right? Am I right? The wise men come and the baby, you hope the baby's either a fake baby or they've given it a little Benadryl, you know, so the baby is knocked out during the play. (laughs) In reality, the wise men don't come to the barn. They came to a house. The English words in the New Testament is written in Greek. The Greek words are different. When Jesus was born, he was a newborn baby. Here he's called a child. And that probably meant he was anywhere from six months to maybe a year and a half old. See, the wise men, some scholars believe they may have traveled a thousand miles. Maybe two thousand when you go round trip. They didn't stay in Holiday Inn Expresses and they didn't take the, the, the red-eye flight. They walked and they 
they rode on camels and donkeys. They went through deserts where there were bandits and there wasn't water for days and all kinds of things. In other words, for them to get to Jesus, it was difficult. It was hard. It took a lot of time and it took a lot of priority. You know what Jesus wants from you, man? He wants you to give him your time and priority. I'm going to bring this all together in just a second. I, I want to ask you, is Jesus the priority of your life? That's what he wants to be. Your spouse, if you're married, should be a top priority. Amen? Your kids ought to be a top priority. Your job ought to be a top priority. You're in school, your academics, your athletics should be very important priorities. There's only one thing that can be the top priority, and that's what God says he wants to be. It's a gift you give him. Hey, how can we tell someone we love them, but we never have time for them? Isn't that foolishness? Man, I love you. I just don't ever want to be around you. I love you, but... Anytime you call, I'm busy. Someone said, and I I believe this is rightly so, one way you can spell love is T-I-M-E. You know, the wise men were wise for a thousand reasons, but one thing, when when it came to finding Jesus Christ, he was the priority of their life. Nothing else mattered. And let me bring it all together. Here's the ultimate gift we give Jesus. In fact, the other two are wrapped up in this. We give Jesus our life. We give him our life. I've read verse 11 a hundred times, I bet, over the last two months. I'm going to read it for the fifth time to you this morning. They went into the house and they saw the child with his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. I'm going to look at that in a moment. But they gave him gifts. I mentioned these were practical gifts, but they were also spiritually significant gifts. See, you gave a, a, the gift of gold to a king. You, you didn't give it to your pastor, <laughs> You gave gold to a king. They said, we've come to worship the king. It says they gave frankincense. Now, frankincense is a pretty smelling perfume, but it was also used in the, the temple by the priests. See, these, these gifts were not, not only practical, but they were very symbolic. They understood that Jesus was the king of kings and that he was going to be our priest. He was going to be the one to connect us with God. And myrrh was not only some ointment you could put on to smell good when you got in bed with your honey. It was also, it was also used when they prepared a dead body after they, they were getting ready for the final burial. It wasn't a coincidence they gave this to Jesus. They knew Jesus was coming to be our sacrifice. Are you following me? And it says when they walked in the house, they fell down. Did you get that? It didn't say they tripped. Joseph played a gag on him, stuck out his foot, or there was a, you know, hey, step up. And they didn't, they tripped. It says they fell down. Put that back on the screens for a second, guys. They fell down. Literally, the, the original language is even stronger. I mean, it's like when they walked in and they saw Jesus, they couldn't contain themselves. They just dropped right there and they worshipped him. Here's an interesting custom uh, uh, thought, in my opinion. In this day, and if they were from Persia, this was very common in Persia, how people greeted each other. If, if two men, now this was men, two men met each other and they were equals... We'll say Ed and Josh, they kissed on the lips. Ed and Josh kissing is fairly disgusting to me, but 
That's how they would have. Clayton walks down the hallway. They kiss Clayton on the cheek because you kiss someone who is superior on the cheek. And then my assistant, Brenda, comes down the hallway. They would fall at her feet because she is much, much their superior. (laughs) Isn't it interesting when they walked in and they saw Jesus, they fell at his feet. Hey, folks, we're way too dignified in how we're giving ourselves to Jesus. And it says they worshiped him. Boy, you know, people, churches in the last 15 years, we have fought about worship. What does worship mean? Let me tell you what worship means. New Testament defining worship. Worship is surrender. It's bowing your life to God. Yes, you can do it through music. Yes, you do it in preaching. Yes, you do it through giving. You can do all that and not be worshiping. Worshiping is about surrendering your heart to God. What God wants from you more than anything else is you. One scholar says the best picture of New Testament worship is a dog sitting at its master, looking at him and licking his hand. That is humble submission and honor. That's what worship is. Listen, when the wise men walked in, they brought him gifts. They had given him time. But the, the, the money and the time, all that was as a result of they were giving him their life. Folks, listen, if you struggle to give your money and time to Jesus, it's because you haven't given your life to him or you've given it to him and taken it back. When Jesus has got you, he's got your billfold and your priority. Amen? And that's what he wants. Listen, the greatest gift you can give Jesus this year is you. That's the only way you go to heaven is giving Jesus you. Many of us are Christ followers, but again, but slowly we have taken back ourselves from Jesus. And he's pleading with you today, what I want from you, listen, I want you. The greatest gift you can give me this Christmas, Jesus says, is you can give me you. Ed, who I insulted a moment ago, Ed, raise your hand, is our wonderful children's minister. And he is wonderful. And Ed told me how he explained to kids about about having a relationship with Jesus. He said, it's a gift exchange. That's pretty good, isn't it? We give ourselves to Jesus, and then Jesus gives us himself and everything that comes with it. I would would reckon it to be like a four-year-old who loves his very, very, very wealthy and good father. And the four-year-old brings his very best gift to his dad for Christmas. And he lays it at his feet. But you know what? There is no way that four-year-old is going to match the gift that that wealthy, loving dad is going to give him. Correct? Folks, I want to tell you what Jesus wants from you is he wants you. And the greatest gift you can give him this morning is giving him the gift of you. Will you? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray that God is speaking to your heart about your giving right now. You're here and you're not a Christian. You're unsure if you're a Christian. You're ready to cross that line with Christ to to make sure you belong to him. Pray with me. Pray with me where you are. And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and rose for me. Come into my heart. 
And Jesus, today, I give you my life. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment, and we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You can come right now when you do, when we stand to sing. Maybe you haven't, but you're ready. We'd, we'd love to help you. You want to wait till after church. We'll stay and visit with you as long as we need to. But hey, you've got the opportunity now you may never have again to get right with Christ. Give him yourself today. Maybe you'd like to join our church. That'd be a gift to us. I think we'd be a gift to you. You can come and join us this morning. You can join after church. We'd love for you to do that. Christian, I want to ask you this. Does God have all of you truly? Some of you, the answer is absolutely He does. Amen. Keep your foot on the pedal. Some of us, God doesn't have our money. God doesn't have our priority because God doesn't have us anymore. Where you're standing, coming at the altar, come kneel, come lay down on the, at the front of the altar, pray with the minister, whatever you need to do. But you say to God today, God, I may not be much, but I'm giving you everything I have. I'm giving you me. Let's stand.